All right, everybody, welcome into episode number 62 of the Five Star Preps podcast, presented by John H. Coleman, heating, cooling, electrical. It's that time of the year, guys. You're running your heating on overload. It's cold for a while, then it's hot. You're switching over to AC. You're back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, something's going to go wrong, whether it's electrical, with your heating, whatever the case may be. Give John H. Coleman a call, 865 865- 525-5111 or johnhcolemanco.com, a proud sponsor of Five Star Preps for a very long time. They were our big sponsor of Five Star Live during football season, so wanted to give them a little bit of love on the podcast today. Just trying to show some support for local businesses here in Knoxville. Look, we're still going through it in this pandemic, and uh, everybody needs a little help, support in some way or another. They have backed us. Since the beginning, I want to give them a shout out on the pod today. So thank you, John H. Coleman, Coleman Heating, Cooling, Electrical, johnhcolemanco.com. Check them out. All right, on the podcast today is Chase Kirshen, former Catholic high school football standout, went on to play at Tulane for four years and played a lot in those four years. And you might say, well, why are, why are we talking about Chase Kirshen? Why not? The guy made it out of out of Knoxville. He played big time Division One football. He was successful on the Division One level, and now he's starting to give back to this community. And I've seen him pop up here on social media here and there, uh, trying to get back and and teach some of the kids what he learned, not just in high school, but also in college and and some of the great players that he played against, and just taking that knowledge and feeding it back into this community. That's why East Tennessee wins football championships. We have people that grew up here, succeeded here, and then come back here and help steer the next generation in the right direction. And Chase Kirshen's starting to do that. So we're going to have him on the podcast here shortly. Uh, Really got a lot of good feedback from episode 61 from Tony Lambert. And uh, that guy's just as good as gold. And I really appreciate everybody who listened or shared the podcast on their social media platform of choice. And I really always enjoy talking with Tony Lambert, and we'll get him back on the podcast very soon. Before we get to Chase on the on the podcast today and interview him, I did want to direct your attention to 5starpreps.com. Free read on the website. The Mr. and Miss Basketball finalists were announced today by the TSSAA. Today is Thursday, February 11th. We had eight players out of the 30 in the state. For boys and girls combined, we had eight from right here in the greater Knoxville area. Our coverage area of five-star preps uh, in Division Two a girls, uh, Nia Ivy and Maggie Vick from Lakeway Christian were both finalists in Division Two a so congratulations to those, those two girls. Uh, Danae Fritz in Class AAA girls from Maryville, Iowa State signee. She was a Miss Basketball finalist a year ago, back in the final three again this year. Tessa Miller, uh, Belmont signee from Stone Memorial. Uh, Stone Memorial, of course, made the class AAA state semifinals a year ago, um, but were not able to play the rest of the way because of COVID, and Tessa has had a monster year, uh, 20 points, 10 rebounds type of year for Stone Memorial. So congratulations to Danae and Tessa in uh, class AAA girls. On the boys' side of things, we had two finalists in class AA uh, we had Jacoby Gillespie of Greenville and Trey Morrow of Scott. 
uh, in Class A. Trey Johnson of Cosby, of course, he scored a school record 60 points about a week ago and uh, averaging 29 on the year. He was one of the finalists named in Class A, I believe. I saw on Twitter today, that's the first Cosby player to be named a Mr. Basketball finalist. And we all know, uh, if we if we grew up here, if you've been around this area for a long time, you know that Cosby's had a lot of great scores and a lot of great players come through there. So uh, I'm sure Trey understands that and what type of... Um, what type of magnitude that carries, what kind of weight that carries in his community. And uh, certainly congratulations to him. And B.J. Edwards from Knoxville Catholic is a finalist again in Division II AA. Uh, We'll see if he can get his first Mr. Basketball Award. He's just a junior, one of the top players in the country. Again, you can see the whole list of everybody in the state at 5starpreps.com. We're also still unveiling our new QB1 series. Uh, We're in season three of that now, and what we do is we pick about 10 to 12 programs that are breaking in new quarterbacks uh, this spring for the upcoming um, football season, and we talk with the coaches about who these guys are that are in the quarterback chase or these heir apparents uh, to a guy that just left or is going to graduate. And so uh, we've, we've got four or five up on the site right now. We put Fulton's up today. Uh, we got CAK up there. we got Morristown East. you got Oak Ridge. You can access all those on fivestarpreps.com. And uh, we still got about eight more schools, I think, that we're going to profile. And what this does is it helps us bridge the gap between the end of high school football season and spring practice and really kind of get your mind geared toward uh, spring practice and just getting getting that football fix. I think we all need it here and there uh, during the doldrums of winter. So all that's on fivestarpreps.com. You do have to be a member uh, to access our QB1 series. Uh, we do also have a free read up there right now for all district basketball teams and all um, all the postseason schedules and district schedules and all that stuff. So coaches continue to send that to us, and we'll post those on the site and, and honor all these kids. And anytime we honor kids, we want to make that free so everybody can see it. So uh, congratulations to everybody who's made an all-district team so far. And I think the AAA seasons, uh, regular seasons, are concluding. And so we should be getting some of those teams very, very soon. And we'll post those to the site. All right, that's going to do it for the all the housekeeping items uh, before we get to our interview. And I uh, appreciate you sticking with us through all that. And hopefully... Uh, You'll take my advice and look at some of those articles and check those out on the website. But with no further ado, let's get to former Knoxville Catholic standout, former Tulane standout, Chase Kirshen. All right, now bring in Chase Kirshen. And Chase, it's uh, always good to catch up with you and uh, always kind of kept an eye on what you were doing down at Tulane. And just kind of welcome back to Knoxville, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I always ask this to guys, and I, I got a feeling you might might say yes to this. Are you a podcast guy at all? Yes, only on road trips. So I always I always found something to listen to when I was driving back and forth from New Orleans. But <laughs> I, I'm not a not a n- normal podcast guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you, you. It was probably hard for you to be being a college athlete. You don't have too much time on your hands. But you know, most of the people I have on here are adults or coaches and. You know, coaches don't have much time for podcasts either, but is there is there a go-to podcast for you? Uh, are you a true crime guy? Or like, where do you where do you fall in the podcast realm? 
Uh, it's kind of all over the place. I don't like like the, the storytelling stuff. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I listen. I, I've listened to a lot of CNBC stuff and like finance stuff, but uh, not not the storytelling. I'll do some sports stuff here and there, but uh, nothing specific. Well, glad to have you on the on the podcast today, and uh, we've, I'm sure we've had a lot of people on in the past that you know, but certainly uh, appreciate you taking some time and uh, starting out. I just I, I want to go back to this past fall really for you uh your your final year at, at Tulane right I mean how how difficult of a season was that just from all the difficulties that COVID brought yeah and obviously all the testing and stuff is is aggravating and nobody really wanted to do it but we knew we had to but the real difficulty was kind of keeping everybody motivated you know everybody was missing their families nobody got to go home during the season nobody really got to got to do anything and like live the normal college life like you normally would see any other students and stuff like that. So I think that was the hardest part, keeping guys motivated for the whole season and trying to accomplish what you're always trying to accomplish and win games. Did it affect you at all? I mean, did you get it or did you, were you contact traced? Were you, did you ever, you know, feel the, the full force of it? No, it actually did not affect me at all during the season. I got it as soon as I got back home because my family had it uh, over uh-huh. Christmas. So I, I was good all season, though. It was a blessing. Yeah. To to see see it all transpire, though, I mean, just getting ready for the season, I mean, just how – was it just like a bizarro world type of deal? I mean, that's that's what it felt like when I was just covering high school football. It just didn't feel real. There was just something that was missing, and maybe it's the fans and – Maybe it's just because we didn't go through the normal routine to preparing for the season, but it it just felt odd all year long. It, did it? Hold, is is that apply for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not having any fans, you know, it obviously is terrible, especially with the the college environments that you you can play in. But once we got into a routine, like a, I guess a COVID routine, with all the the protocols we had to go through and things like that. I think I think it was fine. I think we did a good job with it. You know, I, I know uh, our coach, Coach Fritz, always talked about how I, we had as, as little guys out for COVID as anywhere in the country all season. So we did a good job with it. And it was definitely strange, though. Y'all got off to, I think, like a two and four start and then rallied big time late in the year. You got wins over Army, which is a quality team. You got wins over Memphis, which is a quality team, and ended up uh, making it to a bowl game. Do you feel like you leave that season satisfied or was there still kind of a, a lingering unfinished business type of feeling to it? Uh, well, we lost the last game, so definitely not satisfied. You know, you always want to end the season on a win, no matter what your record may be. But uh, also not satisfied in the season itself, only because that's kind of where we were at my whole time there. I mean, really my sophomore year through uh, my this past year. We were right around 500. You know, we made bowl game, which is great, and that's that's something Tulane hasn't done in a while. But I don't think I was ever really satisfied with with 500. No. Quick tangent here, and and just checking out schedules for Tulane. You guys played Central Florida every year. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people interested because Josh Heupel, the head coach there, is now the head coach at Tennessee. Can you give kind of like a quick? breakdown of what it's like to defend his offenses you playing on the defensive side of the ball in college yeah it's real it's real hectic that's that's the best way to put it you know they go a million miles an hour 
from a, a standpoint that most people don't get to see, they are able to go so fast because, you know, some, some plays they run, the receivers on one to one side of the field will just stand there. They won't run a route. They'll, they're getting ready for the next play while the people on the opposite side are running the play and executing the play that's called that down. They'll run guys on drags across the field just to set up another play. They'll really try to get you on one hash and then go to the other hash. So it's, like I said, it's hectic. And you really have to be prepared with all your calls and checks and really keep it simple as a defense to even begin to defend it. Did you have any success against them? I mean, I know wins weren't easy to come by, but, I mean, did you have any good plays against them or anything like that you'll take away? Uh, to be honest, this past year, I did not play a great game. I think I had a lot of tackles, but, you know, that, that can't, that's not always a good thing at the safety spot. <laughs> uh, my junior year, we should have beat them, mm-hmm. and I think that would have been a great, great win to have, you know, just to meet up with any any win I had during my career. But uh, we did not have as much success with them this past season, though. What are some of the what are heck of a ball team? What are some of the the better games or better teams that you've played that you'll remember kind of going forward now? Uh, I definitely remember. We I think we should have beat Auburn too. That was my junior year as well. It was uh, our second game of the year, my junior season, and we had them on the ropes the whole game. And their defense was just so tough. Uh, we held them to twenty four points, and it was in front of the, a full a full crowd. Their first home game of the season. That was a lot of fun. Uh, my first start was against Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, my my match my matchup all the game was uh, Mark Andrews, so that's that's one I always kind of tell people about. It's uh, that's my my NFL matchup for sure <laughs> that I, I had the most trouble with. But y'all also, I mean, y'all won a couple bowl games, right? I mean, there were some there were some high point moments for you guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean. Going to bowl games in general was a, is a huge thing for Tulane, much less winning two of them back-to-back my sophomore and junior year. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. They always they always treat us really well at the bowl games especially. So how did you uh, how did you end up at Tulane? Um, I'm trying to think back to your recruitment, and I was still involved a little bit on the high school realm at that point, but I, I don't think I was at the new Sentinel at the time that you were a senior at Catholic. And so I probably didn't follow your recruitment super closely how did you end up at Tulane so throughout my recruitment I was always looking for a school that was the highest level of football uh, D1 level but also I'd, I'd end up with a great education afterwards and as I was getting offers and they were coming in you know Tulane really always stood out to me and I to be honest the day I got an offer from Tulane I didn't think a whole lot about it and literally from that point on as we got closer and closer to signing day, I knew that's where I wanted to go. You know, it's in a, the great city of New Orleans. I will always cherish my time there. It's, it's one of the coolest cities in the world. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly think it's one of the best decisions I've ever made going to Tulane. People think of New Orleans, they think of crazy Mardi Gras, everything like that. Is that the biggest misconception about going to school at Tulane? I, you can definitely get into all the parking and stuff you want to. <laughs> But uh, there's a whole lot more to it. Just the culture in the city is what I notice the most. Just everybody's so friendly. It's it's one of those cities where you got people walking around, riding their bikes everywhere. A bunch of people don't even own cars. And the food is amazing. I don't care. Everybody talks about the, the Creole food, you know, the Cajun-style food. 
if it's if it's a restaurant and it's open in New Orleans, it serves really good food. Hmm. Whether it's barbecue, seafood, you know, steaks, whatever it may be, it's great food, best in the country. Is there any type of relationship between the the college and uh, the like the NFL team, the New Orleans Saints? Is there any type of like like I think about Memphis, I think of Memphis sports, and there's a a, a good kind of <clears throat> kind of working professional kind of symbiosis between the the Memphis Tigers and the Memphis Grizzlies. Is there anything like that between Tulane and the and the Saints? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Whenever it would rain, you know, we don't have an indoor, and so if it was available, we'd either go. A lot of times, we'd go to their practice facility, which is just outside of New Orleans, or we'd go to the Superdome. Actually. Uh, a lot this past year with COVID and everything, we weren't allowed at their practice facility. So we, we'd go to the Superdome and practice. And uh, that was awesome. Great experience there. Got to meet a couple of the, a couple of the players, but they'd also once a year come have a practice at our stadium at Yeoman stadium and, you know, invite, invite everybody. It was free for, for anybody in the city to come. And that was always a lot of fun. We got to we got to see and watch them practice, watch how the professionals did it. Yeah, I just didn't know if there was any opportunity where you could work alongside them or practice alongside them or just pick up any any pointers from it at all. Or maybe that's some type of NCAA violation. I don't know, but I just didn't know if there was ever a point where you guys kind of crossed paths with them. Uh, no more than a conversation, you know, passing each other, pass somebody you recognize in in the practice facility and talk a little bit but uh no I never got to get to work on the field with any of them I, that would have been cool but uh, you, you choose Tulane and I wonder what was the diff was the recruiting process difficult or frustrating for you it definitely was at the start you know I I feel like people think about how many offers I ended up with and they just you know you look at it on 247 or whatever it may be and think I was heavily recruited I didn't receive an offer until you know, a few, a few months before the start of the, my senior season. So it was definitely frustrating up until then. You know, I, I was kind of wondering why all these guys around me were getting offers and I wasn't, and I was putting up better numbers than almost anybody in the state. And, uh, but after, after I got that first offer, it, it was a real gratifying experience. And I would just encourage anybody who's going through it right now to just enjoy it. Cause that's, that's the last time somebody's really going to be, I guess courting you to come to school there, or really loving on you, especially the coaches. You know, once once you get on campus, it's go time, and they're not <laughs> they're not trying to uh, love on you anymore. Yeah, well, I, w- I want to circle back to that in just a minute. But you left Catholic. I, I think you graduated in twenty. Uh, what was it? Twenty seventeen. Twenty eighteen. Seventeen. 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 Yes, uh, sir. Y'all had success there. You had state championships there, and but kind of back to the recruiting if you could give somebody advice that's going through it now and I know you mentioned just trying to enjoy it but did you take any missteps along the way that you you might look back on now as an adult and go man I should have done this differently that you know you could feed that to a kid today and say hey don't make the same mistake I did um I don't know about mistakes per se but I do think I didn't market myself enough and that would be what I would tell anybody what I have told kids who are going through it now you got to market yourself whether it be social media or when you when you actually meet these coaches at camps and stuff you've got to it's almost I mean it's a job interview Mm -hmm. and you've got to treat it like such and you've got to always pertain yourself you got to always be seen in a good light to whoever's looking like I said whether that be social media or in person 
and uh, just just really really market yourself because if you're not getting your name out, who is? Yeah, well, and, and that's kind of taking a this is a a different topic maybe for a different day, but I think a lot of kids have taken that to heart and it's gone to a it's gone to a bad place where there's so many people putting out like fake offers to try to market themselves and to say, hey, look at me, I got this offer from fill in the blank school. It's uh, it's it's hard to know what to believe anymore <laughs> from a from a media standpoint. I you know I certainly know kids' abilities, and I'll see them tweet an offer, and I'll think, man, there's no way that's real. And so it, I guess it's all kind of part of the game or whatever. But have have you noticed that? I actually have. Yeah, I I don't remember it happening as as much when I was going no. going through the process. You know, back in 2017. But you know, you see these guys like you said, SEC offers, you know, Big Ten, Big Twelve offers, and then they they end up at a Mac school, you know, mm-hmm. nothing against the Mac, but you didn't have offers from those other schools if you're going to play in the Mac. So yeah. that's kind of what I always looked at, you know, at the end of the day, where, where do you end up? And yeah. you kind of see what offers are real or not. Yeah. You got a chance to play with Amari Rogers. And of course he had a big impact on the high school level and now at Clemson. And now you're starting to see his name, uh, a lot of draft boards and things like that. Do you still keep in touch with Amari and kind of how cool is it from your vantage point to see him right there on the brink of the NFL? Oh yeah, it's it's real cool. I, we absolutely do keep in touch. We try to get together and at least hang out when we're both in town, which doesn't happen too often, but uh, hopefully it'll happen more in the future, but I, I couldn't be more proud and happy for Amari, what he's done and what he's accomplished at Clemson and what he, he's going to accomplish. I'm excited to to get to watch. Yeah, that was one of the things, like, during quarantine, we just didn't have anything to cover. I mean, no base, there was no spring sports. <laughs> and uh, I just so happened to see Amari kind of training up at Catholic and posting some stuff on social media, and I sent him a message, and I was like, hey, do you mind if me and my photographer come up to Catholic and just shoot some video, maybe I'll get a quick interview with you? And he's like, sure, come on. And um, so he's up there, he's working out at the time with Penny Smith, former Fulton quarterback, and T. Higgins is there, and and um, to watch him work was incredible. And it wasn't just going 100% on every single drill. It was him staying after the quote-unquote workout was done and putting in more work. And so when I see people at Clemson talking about his work ethic and everybody else, I mean, do you even see it? Was it like that back in high school, or is it something maybe he developed now that he's matured and gotten older? Uh, I mean, we, me and him were the, the harder work, the hardest workers at Cali. You know, I think we were the ones that pushed each other. So he, he definitely worked hard back in high school. But I'm just like myself, and just like I think everybody, that transition into college almost forces you to to step it up a notch, even if you were the hardest worker at your high school. So I think it's a little bit of both. He definitely was a hard worker in high school, but it's it's something that gets developed every single day at the college level. How how difficult is it to transition from high school to college? I said I'd circle back to this, and you mentioned it kind of in recruiting. They love on you, and when you get there, it's 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 go to work time. It's like a job. Just how difficult, or, or was it difficult for you, or for people around you? Yeah, I think it can definitely be be something if if your high school wasn't real complicated as far as schemes go, especially on the defense side. I don't I don't know too much about the the college side as far as. Uh, I mean, the offensive side as far as college goes. But I, I think that's one thing that I saw in my time at school. A lot of the, the guys would struggle with, you know, their first first camp there. Which And, you know, if you don't have a good camp, preseason camp, you're not going to get to play that year most likely. 
in most cases. So I think scheme was something that a lot of guys struggled with. And then what everybody talks about, just the speed of the game, is is at a whole nother level. And, you know, practice is one thing. Going against your own guys are one thing. But then you get out against, you know, like I said, against Oklahoma and you got to guard Mark Andrews. you got to guard Hollywood Brown. It's just a, it's a different level. It's, it's not even comparable to, to high school ball. So how did you make the adjustment? I mean, you, you've been – you played – you made over 200 tackles in your career, and I mean, you're on the field as a freshman. How did you adjust so quickly? Um, I always tell people I don't think physically, as far as like my, my speed, my strength, my size, I was ready as a freshman. But mentally, I was I was ready. I, I knew what to do, just as good as a guy who had been there for four years. I, I knew what was going on. I knew the right calls, the right checks, and things of that nature. So that's what got me on the field. And that's what I tell everybody going in. You know, I see a bunch of bunch of guys in my time, even just at school, freshmen. I'm like, look, you've got the talent. You're way more talented than I was as a freshman. Now learn this stuff. You got to you got to treat it like it's the most important class you're taking. It's it's more important than the workouts than anything. In some cases, you gotta you gotta know what's going on. You gotta get the coaches to be able to trust you to put you in the game. Did. Did you ever get a sniff on offense down there, or even a look, or a, a snap or two? Uh, not really. When I was being recruited, they said I could play both, or I mean, not both, either one. And uh, yeah, I ended up choosing defense because at the time, Tulane ran like a spread triple option deal that ran the ball all the time. But uh, throughout my time there, I they they installed a few fake uh, fake field goals for me where I was the holder. We only called it once and actually had to call it off because the look wasn't right. But uh, my only offensive snap was uh, the defender when we would take a knee, the the deep man back when we would take a knee. So uh, that's that's all the offensive action I got in college. Yeah, I just – you know, I always respected your offensive game. I mean, I knew you, if they put you on defense, you'd excel there. But I always kind of thought you were a sneaky good offensive guy out there at, at wide receiver and just – didn't know if you got to try and maybe just didn't work out and you ended up over on defense or if you just preferred defense in college. No, I, I was, I was always defense in college, you know, I'll probably for the rest of my life think what I, what I would have could have done at receiver in college, but you know, hindsight's 2020 and I'm, I'm thankful for what I, what I did do. Well, when I reached out to you just to kind of touch base with you and uh, I think you're doing some, some kind of instruction camps and stuff here for, for defensive backs and things like that. And I kind of said, Hey, are you, is there any chance you might go pro? Because again, I always respected your work ethic, your talent level. And uh, the fact that you played four years at Tulane and were productive, I thought, Hey, you know, maybe he has a good pro day or maybe he gets a camp invite or, or gets drafted or whatever. And you said that wasn't in the cards though, right? Kind of take me through that and kind of how you're, you're moving on from football in some regard. Yeah, you know, I I hate that it's over for myself, and uh, you know, like like you said, it's a great run. Um, at the end of the season, you know, I just didn't really, I didn't feel like there was any interest. You know, I hadn't talked to any agents, I hadn't gotten much interest from any teams, and and to be honest, it just seemed like a little bit of a stretch. You know, I talked to my coaches because you know sometimes scouts scouts will be in practice all the time, but they're not really supposed to talk to you. So <laughs> if you haven't heard from them, that may that may not all be bad. But I, you know, I talked to my coaches and and just really gathered that there there wasn't much interest, and 
that's before you start talking about some of the injuries I kind of had been dealing with. And, yeah. You know, I think it's just time to time to hang them up and and leave on a high note. Is there is there a little bit of depression that comes with that? I mean, it's it's been a part of the fabric of your life for you know over a decade or more, or probably decade and a half. I'm not sure what age you started playing football, but I mean, I think about I'm a I'm a big golf nut. I think people who know me knows that, and and so I've I've covered golf and I covered the career a lot of local players who were always right there on the cusp of making it big in professional golf but there comes a time when you have to say okay I I, I can't do it anymore I gotta I gotta move on and start a different career was was there a moment like that with you or any kind of just sadness that came along with that yeah no question I mean it, it, it was a hard decision to make in the first place you know uh but I think it was the right one even even still to to, to this day so it's not something I regret, but, uh, yeah, definitely some sadness. I don't think it's even fully set in yet. I think when next fall camp comes around and when the next season comes around, it'll really set in and, you know, it, it sucks. To, <laughs> there's no other way to put it, but, uh, you know, it is what it is and it, you got to move on at some point. And I'm blessed to have opportunities that I have now, uh, in, in the working world and things of that nature. So it's, it's sad, but, but, I'm still blessed to, to have the time that I did play and, you know, I'm excited for, for what's still to come. Again, I, I noticed you doing things on social media and just say, Hey, I'm doing a little, little session for some defensive backs and maybe you bring in eight, nine, ten guys or, or kids in the area. And what kind of brought that on? And do you enjoy, enjoy teaching what you've learned to these kids in, in Knoxville? Yeah, uh, I absolutely enjoy it. And uh, kind of what brought it on was just, a, the fact that I, I've gained all this knowledge, you know, I mean, that's like taking one course for four years, you know, however many hours a day. It's it's not like I hadn't put in hundreds of hours playing DB. So it's something I feel like I needed to share and that I would be good at sharing. And it was also a great way to, you know, keep me in the game. You know, I don't want to lose the game of football entirely just because I'm not playing anymore. It doesn't mean I can't still be involved in the game and still keep keep my my football mind fresh so do you, i also think just D, go ahead sorry i i think db in high school at the high school level is just drastically undercoached i think kids and even myself like you like you said i played mostly offense in high school i didn't know much about db so it was all kind of new to me once i got on campus and i don't i really don't think it should be like that so do you think and i know it's still early but are, are you getting the coaching bug a little bit am i going to see you on somebody's coaching roster sometime soon uh i don't know i don't know um i'm not going to name any names but i've actually had a few offers to coach here in town and so it's, it's an interesting thought it's nothing it's it's too big of a time commitment for me at the moment you know as i'm trying to start my my professional career so not anytime soon but you know we'll see what the future holds so how do how do those first few instructional sessions go did you have a do you have a full group and and kind of what do you focus on? You you talked about DBs being kind of drastically undercoached. Uh, how do you start to correct that and fix that? What do you teach these kids? Well, shoot, you start off with just a backpedal. You know, you got these kids who heck, some of them have offers to go play DB in college, and their backpedal looks looks awful. And it's just you got to start from square one 
especially with DB, because it's so undercoached. And then one of my main points in doing the training itself was I wanted to teach everybody stuff they could do on their own, stuff I did on my own as I was going through school. Like, I mean, if you if you're just training once a week on the weekends with me, you're not getting any better. And that was kind of the point I tried to make. You need to come do this with me so I can keep correcting you. But between each session, you should do it five, six, seven times, depending on how many, how many, uh, how long it is in between sessions. It's I wanted to teach stuff that they could do on their own. One of the things I see so much right now are these camps that this organization's putting on or that organization's putting on, and of course they all claim to be the best. If you're a DB, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take for example uh, example Javis Minot, who's who's out at Catholic. Uh, I think he just picked up an offer from Liberty the other day. He's an All-State defensive back from Catholic. Okay. Say he goes to this camp and he's getting DB instruction from coach such and such, and then he goes to another camp and he's getting instruction as a DB from another. Is that detrimental at some point, or do they need to find a coach like yourself? And I'm not again trying to pitch your business or make money for. It. I'm just really asking: is it is it better for them to find somebody like you and and camp only with you, or is it do these camps help in some way? You know, that's a great point. And then when I was trying to start that my training up and figure out, you know, what am I going to do? I wanted to make sure I wasn't getting too specific because every coach is going to have a preference, you know, and that's, I think that is the detrimental part about camps like that is I think some coaches teach what they teach and they don't accept any other technique. I think there's multiple ways to do something right. So that's back to your question. Yes. I think, consistency would be good but I mean when you get to college that's when you have to listen to the coach you know you have to do what he's teaching you have to do the techniques that he's teaching so I think the best thing early on is to be really good at something and just know in college that you're going to have to do whatever your coach is teaching yeah I mean I'm sure you can pick up something from every coach that you camp underneath I mean uh, there's a there's a merit to it in, in some regard but I just think of again back to golf if I went to five different instructors over the summer, I'm going to have a lot of stuff going on in my head and, and, you know, different behavioral patterns that are conflicting against each other because one coach teaches it this way and the other coach teaches it that way. And so I just kind of wonder if this is hurting kids or helping kids and in what manner. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And it definitely can hurt. And I I think that's why coaches, you know, even myself included should really focus on, like I said, being more, basic and work on like for example i don't know if you if you know the difference but you can do a t-step break as a db or you can do you know we just always call it quick foot but it's like basically like a little stutter step like two or three quick steps and then change direction you know i don't care when when i'm doing the training i don't care what guys do but i'm instead of coaching the t-step or the quick foot i'm coaching to gain ground out of your break so don't step back underneath yourself to push off and gain ground where you're going so I think if if coaches really focus on what they're teaching, it can you're not gonna you're not gonna hurt anybody. I got you. You came from a, a, a sports family, and I remember your brother playing. Of course, uh, Cassie is a big volleyball star at Catholic, and uh, going on to Penn State, I believe. And just wondering what it was like for you growing up around just athletes in, in your house in your home. 
yeah, it was great. You know, I think we all pushed each other and, you know, built off each other. Each person coming after the one that came before them tried to do, try to be better. You know, I know that's at least how it was with me. My brother, he got a little bit of uh, college exposure, but, you know, he had a heck of a high school career. Mm-hmm. And you know, I always wanted to be better than him. <laughs> and I'm sure Cassie's the same way. She always wants to be better than me. And I think, I think it helped us. It didn't do anything but help us. Do you – do you know much about her career? Do you know much about volleyball? Do you you know how to appreciate it or like how to I, I can see you playing your brothers in football and in certain things, but like how did y'all make her better at her sport? Um, I, I understand the basics of volleyball. I know there's a bunch of stats kinda like there are in golf that are a little a bit over my head, but I definitely you know, the the level that she plays at is, is a really high one and it, it doesn't take a scientist to, to figure that out or a volleyball specialist, but as far as making her better, you know, one thing, especially over COVID, you know, we were all at home and uh, most of the gyms and stuff were closed. So I really tried to help her from a training standpoint, as like an athleticism standpoint versus volleyball. You know, she, she's better at the volleyball than I am. So I just leave her to that, but we would train, we would train together. I actually set up a little gym in my garage and, you know, that's what we were doing every day during the during the COVID break. I think it really helped her. So y'all set up a little mini Patron gym at home. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> did the did I mean were you you were a Patron guy too, right? I was okay. Yep. Just uh, it, any any crazy stories working with Charlie out there? I mean, I I know what it's all about, and I've done podcasts and stories on him and and how things go down <laughs> out there. But is it uh, just? what does it do going out there and just kind of minimalist training and bare bones training in some, in some regard as to just making you feel like, Hey, I'm at the, I'm at the grassroots and I'm just going to put in the work today. No frills or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's one of the best things about, you know, Chaz, he's, he's bare bone himself, not just his workouts and his gym, you know, he's, he's the same way. And, you know, you, you can try to explain to somebody what it's like working out in there, but you just got to go kind of do it for yourself. But uh, I, what I always thought about Chaz, and you know, I would see it when new guys would come in and start training with him. You know, he'll give you this exercise and he'll do it. And somebody like me, who's been there for however many years, will do it, and it looks easy. And somebody who's not trained the same like small muscle groups that we have, they can't even they can't even start to do it. It's that's one thing that cracked me up. That I always noticed and. That always made me feel like I was really doing something really good for myself training with Charlie. Mm-hmm. Well, I just I see their videos on social media all the time, and I was like, "There's just there, I, I know I know for a fact that I can't do that stuff, so I don't even go out there and try I'm <laughs> jumping over hurdles oh, man, and things nothing, like that. I, that's not me. That's not for me. Nothing, nothing like the wood gym in the summer when it's about 120 degrees in there. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, we uh. I recorded a podcast with him and then I got him podcasting. And I mean, he's, you know, he's got so many great athletes that come through there. I was like, you know, why aren't, why aren't you talking to these guys? I mean, Josh Dobbs and Leonard Fournette and just uh, T Higgins and just Harrison Smith, like all these guys that come through there. I was like, I mean, they're more apt to talk to you in a more generic and kind of open fashion than they are for me. And so I, I know he's been doing his podcast here and there. So it's, it's kind of fun to watch him be a quote unquote media member now. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I don't know if I'd go that far with Chaz. <laughs> he, do, he does his, he does his own thing. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, man, I appreciate you uh, giving me some time tonight, and it was awesome to catch up with you. And like I said, I always respected you as a player and just the work that you put in and what you did out there on the field. I was always kind of a, a fan from afar of, of how you went about your business and just awesome that you're back in Knoxville. And if there's – I don't know if you got anything coming up, any, any kind of workout sessions that you're willing to pitch right now that or anything like that. I better not. I got nothing, nothing scheduled, so I, I better not do anything without having it set in stone. I but uh, I really appreciate you having having me on. Yeah, no doubt. And like I said, if if you if you get another little session and you want to spread the word, just tag us on Twitter, and we'll make sure everybody comes out and uh, fills up your class and learns a little bit from you. Yeah, we'll do. I really appreciate it. appreciate this and everything you've done for for my family over the years. Absolutely, man. It's been a pleasure and. Uh, We'll stay in touch, and I uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast today. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. No problem at all. all right, Have man. a good one. All right, we'll see you. Bye. That's Chase Kirshen, former Knoxville Catholic standout. I think he was in the mix for Mr. Football his senior year. I think I remember that. And, of course, they won a state championship, and he went on to play at Tulane. Again, made over 200 tackles. I think he had four interceptions. A really great student, just all that you want a guy from Knoxville to be as an ambassador for your city. Do you go down there? Are you defensive player of the year in your conference? Maybe not. But you go down there and you bust it and you're successful on the field and off, and then you come back if you do decide to come back to Knoxville and not only start your professional career, but, again, invest in the sport that you played and start to teach the next generation of players what you learn. It's only going to heighten heighten the level of play and the ability level of these players in Knoxville. And so if you get an opportunity, if you're a defensive back or your kids, if you're listening to this podcast and you got kids who play football and you maybe they play defense, let them go learn under Chase a little bit. Next time he has a little session that he puts together, I guarantee you they're going to get better and, and, and work under a guy who, who knows how to get it done and just uh, can't speak – enough good things about Chase Kirshen and his family and uh, all the athletes that have come through that household. Of course, Cassie, like I mentioned, going on to play at Penn State, she was our five-star preps volleyball player of the year. And uh, if you know anything about college volleyball, it's Penn State and Nebraska uh, right up there at the top seemingly every year. And she's going to one of the top programs in the country. So wish her the best and, uh, Wish Chase the, the best in his professional career here in Knoxville. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 62 of the Five Star Preps podcast. Again, John H. Coleman, give them a shout. If you're having any kind of problems with your heating, cooling, electrical, johnhcolemanco.com. And uh, they'll be right out. I've used them a couple times in the last decade and uh, always come out in a timely fashion and fix whatever needs to be fixed. And I have no more problems with that. So... Uh, again, episode 62 is now wrapped up. We'll catch you next time right here on the Five Star Preps Podcast.